Let's pray for a moment. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Father, we pray for our children. Would you bless them? Would you give them wisdom? Father, would you help them to know you? And we pray for those teaching today that they would help the children to understand and be a blessing to them in Jesus' name. Amen. So my, my regret decision is preaching through 1 Corinthians because the subject matter is going to take us through all kinds of challenges. And today's is no different. Um, we're going to read, if you've got a Bible, you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, because my voice isn't good, I'm going to get a good friend of mine, um, David Suchet, to read it from my Bible. If you ever want a Bible to listen to, David Suchet's um, Bible is absolutely brilliant. So uh, I'm going to put that through. I'm not sure if it will work just like that. So we're reading from 1 Corinthians 1 uh, from verse 17. Uh, we're going to read, and we're reading all the way to the end of chapter 2. What an amazing passage that is. I just think it's just really... Um, I don't need this now. Can I unplug that? This whole section is a bit of a challenge for us because he's talking about wisdom. You know... Paul is moving from looking at why the church is divided and then he brings this distinction in. He says, look, each person saying, I'm following this leader and I'm following that leader and I'm following that leader and they all have their arguments. It's a bit like our political stuff in the UK. You know, whenever you get something through the door, you don't just get through this is what we're doing, but this is what they're doing wrong. And what I love about Paul is Paul says, that's not the issue. The issue here is about wisdom. He says, we're called to preach the gospel, but we don't preach the gospel through human wisdom. It's one of the things that I often find a challenge because if you look at the way the gospel is presented very often, it is with all of the raz and mataz and all the stuff that the world says we should be bringing into that. And what does he say? No, he says, if we use human wisdom to speak about the cross, we empty its power. That's a big challenge for us. And then he says, the bottom line is that we must do God's things God's way. Why does human wisdom remove the cross of its power? It's very simply because human wisdom does not acknowledge God. I was reading this morning um, from Psalm um, 14, I believe it is. Psalm 14 is even more challenging. Psalm 14 tells us this. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. And, and we have this thing where the world thinks it's extremely wise and clever. But Paul is really clear and he says, if God is not acknowledged, then your wisdom is foolishness. And that's why the message of the cross is foolishness for those who are perishing. You know, you will talk to people who are highly intelligent, who are well qualified, 
you'll talk to them about Jesus Christ and they'll scoff at it and they'll laugh at it and say, I'm an educated person because to them it is foolishness. But to us, to us to whom God has revealed these things, it is the very power of God. And God is even declared, it's amazing, he said, I'm going to destroy human wisdom and frustrate human intelligence. You see, human wisdom does not give a knowledge of God and therefore human wisdom is foolish. Um, we like to watch some of these programs on technology. And we watched this program about them sending this um, uh, machine space rover all the way to Mars. Yeah, and we sat there and watched it. And what was really interesting, the guys that work at NASA are some of the most educated and intelligent scientists who exist. And what was a bit sad for me at the end was they had sown their whole life into creating a machine that would go to Mars to see whether there was life on Mars. That was the purpose of the whole project. It cost them billions of pounds. And that surely it just demonstrates the foolishness of human wisdom. I mean, these guys could have put their brains together to eradicate energy problems, food problems, all kinds of stuff, and they've spent their entire life creating something that will travel to Mars to see if it can discover life on Mars. I thought, what a sad state. You see, the world thinks it's wise, and that's why Paul says, where is the teacher or the philosopher? Where is the wise person? And the reason they don't exist is because if they go by human wisdom, they are always going to fail. See, the starting point for a human being is the acknowledgement of God. I even think of things like evolution. Uh, I look at how some of those things are brought. It's really interesting. I've, I've got kind of five big volume books um, at home that give you answers about certain things. And one of the interesting things is, so whenever you put the TV on, they'll say, well, billions of years ago, that's where they start from. Yeah, billions of years ago, this, that, or the other. And I was reading in this book, and it was saying, every single rock formation that we know the age of, so where there's been a volcano, and that volcano has solidified into rock, so we know how old it is, Every rock formation that we know the age of, when we use the dating methods they use to date how old the world is, they always come out that these rocks are billions of years old. And I'm, I'm sitting there trying to think, well, hold on a minute, where's the logic here? Yeah, if it's not right with the rocks that we know how old they are, how's it going to be right with the rocks that we don't know? how old they are. I mean, to me, that seems to be a foolish thing to do. And you watch, the, the, the world, uh, I was reading somebody else who was saying there's no such thing as science. That might baffle you a bit, but he's saying the reason there's no such thing as science is because science always starts from a premise. Yeah, Science always says we are going to prove this theory, so they're already coming at it from a point of view that they think this is how it needs to work, and then it comes down to the interpretation of the data. 
There are scientists who call themselves evolutionists. There are scientists who say that they are Christians who believe in a seven-day creation. And so you've got to ask the question that without God, where does it lead to? And the reality of it is it's so foolish because what it does in the end, it allows things to pass on the earth that in any other time you would think is absolutely wicked. Yeah, We've had this, this whole issue you know, in the last number of years um, where people have been discriminated against over generations, slavery, you know, people have knocked down statutes and all kinds of stuff. And quite rightly so, abuse should never ever be tolerated. And yet we turn a complete blind eye to 200,000 abortions in England alone every single year. I, I find that amazing. How we can say on the one hand, this is wrong, on the other hand, well, well, that's okay. I was reading something that said, I can't remember how long across the world, there's something like 72 million abortions over a period of time. And so you look, we have to start from a point of view that God exists. We're told that in Hebrews, that anybody who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. And so in the end, this is the thing that I find amusing, in the end, when I talk to a scientist and he says, yeah, but yours is all about faith, mine's about science. No, it isn't. Yours is just as much about faith as mine is because you can't prove any of it. What they call macro and micro evolution is just an adaption. The actual change of one species to another, does, that bridge is missing. And so we come from this point and saying, it's utter foolishness to start from a point of view that says there is no God. And it allows all kinds of evil in. If you looked at a pure evolutionist ideology, you would come to the conclusion that Adolf Hitler did nothing wrong. Why would you come to that conclusion? Because Adolf Hitler was um, the kind of picture of trying to prove the strongest will survive. Adolf Hitler says, I'm going to create the master race. We are the strongest and we will kill everybody else. In terms of evolution, well, that's fine. Because that's what evolution does. But in terms of God and the fact that we are all made in his image and we are one race, not many races, we are one human race. We are all connected. Our DNA will go back to two individual people. We all come from the great ancestors. In those terms, you see how evil what he did was. And so in the end... He says, what is our foolish message? He says, it's Christ crucified. And Christ crucified is power and wisdom. Why? Well, it's power for us because it forgives our sins. Because if we've been praying for people, it brings healing, it brings release, it brings deliverance. You know, I pray more and more for testimonies like Sam's where people are so crushed at work that they come to God and he sets them free. I found in the past that when things are so overwhelming and you sit in the presence of God,
He doesn't change the situation, but he changes me. His power comes in and all of a sudden I think, wow. And that's why we have to start with the point of God. And it's also Christ is the wisdom of God. Because when you think about it, it is mind-blowing that Jesus Christ coming and walking on this earth has brought freedom and release for everybody who puts their faith in him. That's an amazing, amazing thing. God's wisdom and God's power are better than what human beings could ever do. And Paul's quite funny because he says, how do I prove this? He says, well, think about it for a moment. What were you guys before you were saved? He says, not many of you were wise, not many of you were learned, not many of you were people of standing. And God has this amazing thing. God wants to choose foolish things to shame the wise. He wants to take the things that are not and say, these are the things that's important. Now, there's a challenge for us. The challenge is that we can very easily lean on the world's wisdom. One of the things that, that is a bit concerning for me as a church leader is the number of churches that are beginning to bring business principles into how they do the church. Now, yeah, there are some practical things that need to be done, but we are not a business. We are the people of God. We don't work with boards and committees. We work with God as said in the scriptures, this for us is our model deed. This is our working document that we go by. And you find more and more, you'll have heard this week, some of the bishops across the world who've changed their opinion on God's stance with marriage, on God's stance with gender and things. And I'm not saying these things are easy. And one of the dangers of the Christian past is that we've demonised people. <coughs> we've demonised people where they've needed help. But we don't change the truth that Jesus Christ brought in. And so the challenge comes to us, you know, do you remember that old song, Whose Report Will You Believe? And it was the refrain came back, We Will Believe the Report of the Lord. And believing God's word, taking a hold of God's word, we are going to become a smaller and smaller group of people who do that as people capitulate. There was another bishop who stated and said, we are now coming to a point in history where Christians should take their truth from what is happening in their culture and society and not from the Bible. What a terrible thing to do. And you know what I love about Paul is that he practiced what he preached. He said to the Corinthians, you know, when I came to you, I didn't have fancy words. I was feeling timid, but I demonstrated to you God's power. And why? Why did he demonstrate God's power? Very simply because it's not about an argument. It's about the power of God. And when we see the power of God, that's where we put our faith. Have you noticed that people who just make a decision because of an argument will reverse that decision if somebody else's argument is better? Do you know why I follow Jesus? Because when I was 16 years old, I had an encounter with the living God. 
And no matter what goes on in my life, no matter what things I do, etc., I can't get rid of that knowledge that I have encountered God. And the thing that keeps us going is our relationship with God. I don't know what I would do in this world if I did not have Jesus to lean on. I'd go nuts. Electricity bills are going up, gas bills are going up, food bills are going up. I mean, you can't even go out to eat now. It's like a hundred quid for a family of four. It's crazy. Everything is good. And I think, what would I do? I, I look at the leaders who lead our country and I'm appalled. They can't even follow the rules they make themselves. I mean, come on. I mean, that's, that's an issue of integrity. And then to bring in legislation that says, we're now going to change things so that if you do break the law, you can still remain in office. I mean, that's horrific. I'm not having a go at our political leaders, but I'm saying the climate is changing and we need to make sure we believe God's report. Let me tell you, one of the things that you will, if you read through the New Testament especially, especially Paul's letters to the churches and Jesus' letters to the churches in Revelation, the constant refrain is this, do not swerve from the truth. Don't do it. Do not do it. No matter what it costs you, and, and that, that will be the challenge. There will come a time when people in your own family say, if you believe that, we will have nothing to do with you. You've got to make a hard decision. We stick with Jesus. Why? Because we know that he is true. We know that he speaks truth. And even though in the world it's seen, seen as foolishness for us, who believe it is amazing wisdom. I mean, it, it, it blows my mind. I could not have devised a plan of salvation like God did. You think how God, through his own sacrifice, the thing that we always need to keep a firm hold on is God is always wanting to be gracious. Let me tell you that. You know, a, a, a number of weeks ago, I showed the image where you see God standing with a mallet behind his back and people have this impression God just wants to hit people. God just wants to punish people. No, he does not. Let me tell you, our God wants to be gracious. If you want to see that, read the Old Testament. See how the Israelites constantly disobeyed God and God gave them a chance and another chance and another chance and another chance and another chance. It went on for years. Why do you think Jesus has not yet returned? He's giving chance. You know, if Jesus had gone up to glory and returned two years later, we would not exist. There'd be no option for us to go to heaven. But until he comes back, it is his graciousness saying, guys, I'm giving you a chance. And so it's an amazing wisdom of God. It's a wisdom that does not link in with human wisdom. 
It's a wisdom that has been hidden. It's been a mystery. And it's a wisdom that has now come. And I love, you know, one of the most misused scripture is this scripture in 2 Corinthians. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined. You know, people have used that so often to tell me you can't understand the mystery of God. But what he is telling us here, but it has been revealed to us by the Spirit. We understand things now as believers that the prophets of old longed to know. They longed to know about the Christ. They longed to know about God's plan of salvation. They longed to see these days for us. We're on the other side of history. We look back and we think, wow. I want to say to you, God has given us amazing things through his spirit. But there is, let me tell you, there is this challenge that we need to make sure we don't allow the wisdom of the world to pull us away. Wise and persuasive arguments, well-reasoned stuff that tries to pull us away from the reality of God. We kind of, I find it quite interesting that there are more people coming to Christ in our day and age and in our generation simply because they are seeing the need that there is for God and the world is failing. Now, we always knew that. The world goes around in a cycle, you know. We have wars and then we have rumours of wars and then we have um, uh, uh, upheaval and it kind of goes round. <coughs> Pardon me, it goes round and round. And we are those who stick to something solid. We stick to the truth and the wisdom of God. I love this. There's nothing humanly special about us. But God makes us special. More than that, he makes us his sons and daughters. In the world, we don't amount to much. You know what? People drive past this church day in, day out. They haven't got a clue, it means nothing. But did you know that the greatest giver of humanitarian aid is the Church of Jesus Christ? People don't know what the churches do in terms of helping people. We shared a testimony um, on Tuesday night. Do you remember, I think I mentioned it on a Sunday, but do you remember last year, I think it was last year, it could have been the year before, that Richard had come across a guy in India who was in prison. He had outstayed his visa. He was thrown in prison. He was there for two years and he had no way of getting out because they said, we will only release you when you go back to your home country. And he never had the money to do that. And so Richard asked the churches he knew, could we help financially? We did. Well, the guy sent a text through a couple of weeks ago and he said, you guys are the angel of God. You are the face of God. I was in prison I was in a dark hole, there was no way out. And then you guys came and you brought life. And he says, I will never forget it. I will never, ever forget how God worked through you. And so people will zip past. But the Church of God is an amazing organisation. What goes on in the week when you call one another, when you encourage one another, when you visit people, when you send a scripture, when you pray for people. These are all the amazing, it's foolishness in the world. You know, the world thinks, ah, what does a prayer do? I tell you what a prayer does, you try it. And so I look and I think the wisdom of God enables us to be right with God.
to get our relationship right. God imparts to us uh, his spirit and we see light. One of my favourite quotes comes from C.S. Lewis. And it's linked to this whole thing that when we understand God's wisdom, we understand everything else. That's why I think it is so important to understand God's truth. Because when we understand God's truth, we understand everything else. Everything else begins to make sense. Money is put in its right perspective. Marriage, children, relationships, um, fame, wealth, work, all of it is put in its right perspective when we begin to know God and the wisdom of God. Why? Because we understand purpose. We had a guy come this week from Tesco's dropping off the food um, and Jocelyn was talking to him and, and he said, how long are you out for? Well, he says, I'm working from eight in the morning to seven in the evening. She goes, well, that's a long day. He says, nah. He says, you know what? This is the best job I've had. She said, why? He says, I used to be an area manager for Pret-a-Manger. He says, you would not believe the stress I had to face every single day. He says, now I get up pick up my van, drop food off for people. And you know, and it, he made this comment, he says, I work to live, I don't live to work. And you know, God helps us to have the right perspective so that we work right. This is what C.S. Lewis says. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Let me say that again. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. And so I want to encourage you this morning, celebrate the wisdom of God. Feed on God's wisdom in the scriptures. Pass on that wisdom to other people. You might be surprised when you see people at work who are stressed out, whatever, say to them, you know what, have you ever thought of praying? Or can I just pray with you? You'd be amazed at how many people say, well, yeah. And then they'll come back to you say, since you prayed, we had, you know what, we had a lady come here last year. She only came, she came twice. Came the first time, she says, I've not been sleeping, I can't sleep, I'm constantly hearing voices and all kinds of stuff, can you pray? And I was just standing in the foyer, and so I prayed with her, I cast out anything demonic, etc. She came back the next week, I almost didn't recognise her, she says, you know what, I can sleep. Just an off-the-cuff thing that you do in the power and wisdom of God will have reverberations through. And even when people forget, when it comes to something like that, they will remember. So let's pray.